Thanks, you guys. Hey, go ahead and be seated and let's get after it, shall we? Why don't you take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter as we jump in today into our series, What in the World? Thank you, brother. I just want to start with opening the truth to you. And um, it's 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. This is what Peter wants us to know and wants us to hear and the Lord wants us to hear. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Can I read that again? Because I just like the sound of that. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Paul said that we as believers in the times we're living in today need to be at our very best so that Satan will not outsmart us. He says because we are not ignorant of his evil schemes. So what I want you to do, because we're doing something different in this new series that we're in um, right now, is we're not going through exegetically through passages of Scripture. It's more thematic. And so I want you to keep this in your mind as we're going through this discussion today, all right? Keep these verses. In fact, you might just leave your Bible open to 1 Peter chapter 5 and go back to it every once in a while and remind yourself that... Our great enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and the things that we're seeing in our world today are because of this very verse. It's the foundation for the things that we're seeing in our world. The scriptures are clear that we're going to be able to see the signs of the end as the end approaches, and I believe that we're seeing every single sign in our day increasing in frequency and intensity just like Jesus said that they would as we get closer to the end and closer to his rapture of his church and his return. But let me remind you, okay, and I'm gonna try to bring this back over and over. I think it's in your notes that God knew all of this would happen. All the things that we're dealing with, God knew all of it would happen. God told us all of it would happen. And God has a plan for you and me in the fulfillment of it all. That's why we're studying what we're studying right now. Is so that we can see God's plan at work in the world around us and then figure out what God wants us to do in the middle of it all. Now, last week, I frustrated many of you note-takers, you fervent note-takers, because I did not fill in point number five and number six of our message last week. I'm not going to do it today either. (laughs) But I'm going to to invite you to our blog site, okay, because Elena, um, who is our editor and all of that, she actually wrote a blog on a summary of last week's message and included points number five and six. So you can go there. 
um, to that this week, and you can, you can find that. She actually, this is a new thing for us, and um, they're doing an amazing job. Our staff is doing an amazing job giving you another tool to help you in your growth and following the Lord. So you can jump on there if you want to get point five and six. I'm not going to take the time to do that today because I don't have the time. But I just want to say this as we get started. The fact that every single end time sign is active in our day today should get our attention. You ought to be setting, sitting up, paying attention, and looking around you with a filter of the scriptures, with a filter of the truth, which is why we're doing what we're doing right now. Because it would be a mistake for us to look around and observe the things around us through the filter of fear and uncertainty. Great is his faithfulness. He's done it before. He will do it again. The Lord is in control. He's sitting on the throne of this world, the throne of the universe, and the throne of our lives. And he knows what he's doing, and he's inviting us to, to help him in the fulfillment of it all. And there are many things happening in our world right now that point to the ultimate end and will actually set the stage for the rise of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation period. And that's what we're seeing. And here's one of them that we're gonna start with today. You guys need to know that I just wanna say, okay, I'm not a scholar. I, I just barely made it through school. But this is like, man, I, it is like I am taking some massive college courses on some of this stuff. And you're, so I, I'm trying really hard not to bring you a bunch of data. I'm trying not to just bring you a bunch of teaching, but help you figure out how to live in the middle of it all and make sense of it all, okay? So that's what I'm working really hard at, but today's pretty academic in some of the things that I'm going to be working you through, because today we're going to talk about what I'm calling the blight of Karl Marx's socialism. And you're like, seriously, in church? Yes. You might even be going, socialism? Here? I could hear my dad. In fact, my dad, if he was here, he's in heaven right now, but if my dad was here today, he'd be like, never. <laughs> never in America will we see socialism on the rise. Oh, really? Listen, in 2020, a poll came out that showed 40% of Americans had a favorable view of socialism. Does that scare you? It should. Okay, I'm messing my own message up. Does that scare you? No, no it does not. Because what I'm going to show you is that this is the rise of Satan's work. The rise of socialism is the rise of Satan's work, and it has to happen in order for us to get to the point where prophecy is going to be fulfilled at the end times. It ought to excite us a little bit, even though it might depress us a little bit. The socialism is on the rise. What's scarier to me, though, is that 47% of millennials and 49% of Generation Z view socialism as favorable. In 2020, Bernie Sanders almost won the Democratic Party's nomination for the presidential race. And Bernie Sanders is quoted as saying, I'm a socialist and everyone knows it. And if you've been around very long, you all know it too. We've been watching him for years. Ocasio-Cortez, 
is a rising star in politics. And she's a member of what's called the Democratic Socialists of America. That sounds like a massive contradiction in terms, but she has stated the need for ending capitalism completely and implementing the failed policies of Venezuela. I wanted so badly to bring to you a study on Venezuela because it is so classic what happens when man's systems try to work apart from God. Many people believe that Ocasio-Cortez will be our president in the not-so-distant future. Lord, help us if that happens. Ask anyone in Venezuela today, and they will tell you that socialism is a dangerous weed that is spreading over the whole earth like kudzu. Have you ever been down south? That weed, that plant that is taking over our world, Look at this picture of it. Have you seen this on the freeways? Now, some of you might go, that kind of looks cool. That's like prehistoric Jurassic Park stuff. You're exactly right. That's in Tennessee. Somebody back in the 1800s thought it was a cool plant out east in the Middle East somewhere and brought that over to America because they thought it was a nice plant, but they didn't know that it was an invasive plant. And what this plant does is it finds anything that's living, it attaches itself to it, and begins to put like every little part, every little vine has little roots that they put into the trees or the plants that are fully alive, and they start sucking the life out of everything in it, the world around it and taking over over the world. Is that an accurate description? It's absolutely an accurate description. Taking over everything and choking out the life of all that is good and healthy. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 1, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. and We're in the middle of them right now. Karl Marx's socialism is a front for communism, which sets the stage for globalism, which is what we're gonna talk about next week, which always leads in tyranny, where you end up with a world under a cruel and oppressive government, led by a tyrant, and the definition of a tyrant is a person who has absolute power over the people without any lawful restraint. Here's what I want you to hear. The time is coming when we're going to be, the world is going to be governed by a tyrant. His name is the beast or the antichrist. We're heading towards that time. And socialism and communism are the front for globalism, which is going to take place in the tribulational period when the antichrist sets up his kingdom. We hear about it in Revelation 13. I will show you here on the screen. Revelation 13, 3 says this. The whole world Marveled. How many people marveled? Everyone, okay? The whole world marveled and gave allegiance to the beast or the Antichrist. He was given authority to rule over every tribe and every people and every language and every nation. And how many people? All the people who belong to this world worshiped him. This is what is coming. And I don't believe it's too far away from today. Scripture tells us that the Antichrist is gonna be given the power by Satan himself to deceive the entire world. 
That's what's coming down the road. And you might ask, well, what does socialism have to do with all this? Well, I'm glad you asked. And let me start with a definition from the socialists themselves, the World's Socialist Party of the United States. Here is what socialism is. The establishment of a system of society based on the common ownership and control of the means and instruments for producing and distributing wealth by and in the interest of society as a whole. We call this common ownership, communism, and socialism. And you go, yeah, that little kid goes, what? <laughs> in other words, society as a whole, who they refer to as the people, should own the raw materials and systems that produce wealth. So they believe that the whole system ought to be owned by the people, but we do too, right? Isn't the great American experience a, a government for the people, by the people? And what do we do? We have set up an established people that we vote into power who will represent the people on, and, and make decisions on our behalf, decisions that they know we would enjoy and would make our life more prosperous. That's a democratic system that we live under. But not so under socialism. They say that that's what it is. In fact, I, my word, as I dive, dove into this this week, I, I watched a debate between a really old communist, socialist communist, and a really old capitalist, and watched them debate each other. And I thought, I could see why the socialist communistic way is appealing to some people. Because it's, everything is for the people. And we want to give you everything that you need. And we want to take care of you. And the people will take care of the people. The only problem is, that's impossible. There is no practical way for the people to make decisions. They believe that the people ought to be the ones sitting on the boards and sitting on the legislation and sitting on everything to make laws and establish policy. They believe that in every company, the people, all the workers, everyone involved in the company ought to be sitting at all the shareholders' meetings and making all the decisions and doing everything. But it doesn't work. There's no practical way of making that happen. So under socialism, the government becomes the sole authority and controller of the means of production. Unfortunately, are you following me? Unfortunately, governments are controlled by people, specific people, mostly by people who seek out power. Now, stay with me. All people, I don't care who you are, all people are broken and all people are fickle and all people are not like Jesus Christ. The scripture is clear that our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know them? And if you don't have a heart that has been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, if you don't have a heart that has been reborn, if you don't have a life that is in Christ Jesus, well then you're really a bad character. At least we have the Holy Spirit guiding this heart of ours that wants to always go astray and always find our own way. All people are broken and vulnerable to greed, selfishness, lust, violence, and the overwhelming desire for power and authority. And as more power and control flow to those kinds of people, they become dictatorial tyrants. 
When you add to that, look at 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 4. When you stir in this prophecy that in the last days, okay, it's bad enough that we're bad people, right? It's bad enough that our hearts are wicked. But in the last days, Paul said, people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. And what you end up with when you put all that together is not a utopia for quote-unquote the people, but an absolute nightmare for the people because the people at the top running things are corrupt. And it happens all the time. You guys are looking at me like, I don't don't know, are you you speaking the truth? Show me a system, a man's system, that hasn't ended up with corrupt people at the top taking advantage of all the people underneath. Show me a system, even in America. Kind of depressing, isn't it? Um, here's the deal, guys. If I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on this little journey, and I'm going to try and go fast because I don't really want to highlight Karl Marx. I'm not about highlighting Karl Marx. I'm about highlighting Jesus Christ. But in order to understand a belief system, you have to understand its leader. If you want to understand Christianity, you need to study Jesus Christ because Christianity is built upon Jesus Christ. And so you study Jesus Christ, his background, the way he lived, and the way he died, the things that he taught, the things that he wrote down. And then you go a step further. I wouldn't jump in just on that basis. I would jump in after I studied his disciples. I would look at the followers of Jesus Christ and I would see what they, how they lived and what they wrote about and what they talked about and what they preached and how they died before I would ever jump in to a system, a world system or a spiritual system. In order for us to understand socialism and communism and ultimately globalism, we've got to understand the founder of it. Where did it start? Where does it have its roots? Socialism has its roots in what's called Marxism, whose leader is Karl Marx. And you need to understand that Karl Marx is a bad dude. Karl Marx was a hater of God and a cheerleader for evil. And the scripture is clear. Woe to those. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And this is what this man is. Actually, He was so evil that his family thought he was a demon, not demon-possessed. They thought he was a demon. His son once sent him a letter addressed, my dear devil. One autobiographer or one biographer described him like this. He had the devil's view of the world, and sometimes he seemed to know that he was accomplishing works of evil. His best friend and partner, Friedrich Engels, said 10,000 devils have Karl Marx by the hair. This This is spooky right here. In his own hand, in 1837, Karl Marx wrote this of himself. Thus heaven I've foretold, I, sorry, thus heaven I've forfeited. I know it full well. My soul, once true to God, 
is chosen now for hell. Four years later, he wrote this. Look now, my blood-dark sword shall stab unerringly within my soul. The hellish vapors rise and fill the brain till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See the sword? The prince of darkness sold it to me. For he beats the time and gives the signs and ever more boldly I play the dance of death. This was written in his own hand. Here's a man who never had a job, mooched off of everybody his entire life. His wife contemplated suicide on a daily basis, we're told. And both of his daughters tragically took their own lives. Just before he died, he penned these words, how pointless and empty is life, but how desirable. He was buried in a place called Highgate Cemetery in London, known for its occult activity and the so-called Highgate vampire sighting. This is where they buried him. This is the celebrated man. This is the father of socialism and communism. Many say that Karl Marx is ruling the world from his grave. And I'd like to share with you a couple of things. We see it before our very eyes right now. Marx's socialism is anti-God. Karl Marx hated Christianity. In order for communism to succeed, loyalty to Christ and his church has to be replaced by loyalty to the state. They have to knock down every other authority. That's why they're coming after the church. That's why they come after your family. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit. He described the church, Marx did, as a medieval mildew that's gotta be scraped away. Joseph Stalin and Fidel Castro, his disciples, saw religion as the enemy and a competitor that needed to be controlled and eliminated. Here's what the Soviet Union's favorite slogan was. Let us drive out the capitalists from the earth and let's drive out God from heaven. And in the 1800s, the Russian government went on a killing spree, murdering countless bishops and priests in the Russian Orthodox Church. Marxism is not compatible with the free expression of religion, and so it should not surprise us that they're coming after the church. Can I read you something? This came in this morning. So one of our young ladies is studying abroad. She's in Rome right now. She went to church today, because it's later there, all right? or earlier there, whatever it is, it's earlier, it's earlier there. And this is what she writes to her mom. Oh, my word, church here. I miss First Baptist. They took our temperature before we walked in. We can't sit more than two people to a pew because we're not blood relatives, and they're worried about the police looking in. One of the girls in my group was like, I wish America could just do this. Check everyone's CDC cards, it's so efficient. And they made us fill out a form with our addresses to keep record of who was in church. There's a plan. Satan is working his plan. 
and Satan wants everyone to worship him. There's coming a day where the Antichrist is going to rise and every person on the planet who does not know Jesus is going to worship him and be deceived by him. This is Satan's plan, and he's working us towards that plan with socialism and the rise of socialism. Marxist socialism is totalitarian. Everything within the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state. That was Benito Mussolini who said that. Another person wrote this, a totalitarian state is one that aspires to nothing less than defining and controlling reality. Anybody, anybody awake to the culture that we're living in today? The culture of there is no truth? Nothing out, or, truth is whatever the ruler decides it is. That's under totalitarianism. We're seeing that right now. Another author wrote this, today's totalitarianism demands allegiance to a set of progressive beliefs, many of which are incompatible with logic and certainly Christianity. How many times have you been sitting, watching the news, watching whatever program you're watching, and you're screaming to the TV, maybe I'm the only one who does this, and you're saying to yourself, that doesn't make any sense at all. We've, I, I turned to Robin, we've lost our minds. No more common sense, and there's no more truth. People, they're, they're making that up. Have you been there? Yeah. I could tell by the way you're nodding your heads. That's the truth we live in. That, that is the reality we're living. They're, they're rewriting the truth. That's what totalitarianism is. Change the reality to what they want it to be and try to convince us that we don't know what we're talking about. Marxism, social, socialism, slow down, Phil. Marxist socialism is divisive. And the idea is to get the oppressed to hate the oppressors. Reality is get the poor to hate the wealthy, to get the workers to hate their bosses. It shouldn't surprise us because Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and we often talk about the fact that he's doing all that by dividing everybody at every level. Amen. This isn't what God's all about. This isn't what God's plan is all about. This is a satanic plan to drive a wedge between everyone. Marxist socialism is deadly. The calculated Marxist-Linus death toll for the 20th century, are you ready for this, is 94 million people who have been killed and slaughtered underneath this kind of teaching and this kind of system. Take a look at this chart. Just in these areas, and there are more, but just in these areas, look at the millions of people who have died underneath these butchers. Men like Joseph Stalin of Russia, Mao Zedong in China, Kim Sung and Kim Jong-il in North Korea, Fidel Castro of Cuba, and Nikolai Ceausescu of Romania. All, are you listening? All under the banner and teachings of Karl Marx. Supposedly looking out for the people. Well, way to look out for the people, guys. Just slaughter everyone who doesn't agree with you. Keep record. Keep check on everyone who doesn't agree with your system and wipe them out. That's not taking care of the people. That's not what God desires for his people. 
No longer are they trying to sneak this in on us. The socialists are putting it right in our faces right now, and it is increasing in intensity and frequency, just like Jesus said it would. So it shouldn't surprise us. We're heading towards the end. We see it everywhere. We see it in the destruction of our monuments. Hang with me. Are you okay so far? See, this is like really like school. (laughs) See, totalitarians want to rid its people of anything that competes with their authority. If you can get the people to forget who they are, then you can draw them into and rewrite their future reality. That's what they're trying to do, and that's what they're trying to accomplish. One writer about this wrote, the first step to liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history. Then you have someone rewrite new books, manufacture a new culture, and invent a new history. And it won't take long for that nation to forget what it is and what it was. That's what they're trying to do. Can you see it? It's happening. They're coming after our kids like crazy. (laughs) Listen to me. It's hard to have a Christian school. There's a lot lot going on, and we have Elkhart Christian Academy. And especially in today's day, it's hard to have a school, but there's no... We need a Christian school now more than ever. We need the rise of homeschool movement more than ever because they're trying to rewrite the history, rewrite the reality for our children because they believe if they can get our kids, they can start over and restart this country to be in a way of thinking towards their way of thinking. And that's what the devil is up to right now. We need to do everything we can. Knowing that this... Can, can, you, can, I, can you hear me? Can you, knowing that this is all going to happen and we're moving towards, doesn't mean we just stop and go, oh, well, whatever, have a fatalistic view of this whole thing. It's going to happen. What can we do about it? That is not what God calls us to do. I'm getting way ahead of myself in the sermon, but I'm just gonna say it again later on, but I'm gonna say it right now. He has called us to be salt and light. And until, if I'm not dead, God's not done. So as long as we're in the world, we are supposed to be the restrainers of evil because we possess the Holy Spirit of God. We're holding back the forces of evil by the way that we live in the world. And I'll get to that more later. What's interesting, too, is that God is just the opposite of this, forgetting. In fact, it might be interesting for you to know that 164 times in the Old Testament, God tells us, Look back and remember. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the former things of old. I am God, and there is none like me. We spent time in our worship experience this morning. Remember the former things of old. Great is his faithfulness. He has never let his people down. He's not going to start now. And we look back, and we remember the goodness of God. We remember the great things that the Lord has done as we look forward into the future, knowing that he is with us. Socialism wants you to forget. Christianity wants you to remember. Satan wants you to forget who you were and who you are. God wants you to remember who you were when he found you, when he saved you, when he called your name. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't want you to forget that. He wants you to remember that. 
In fact, the Lord Jesus himself, he took bread the last time he met with his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. I want you to eat this and drink this in remembrance of me and do it until I return. Don't stop remembering why I died. Don't stop remembering who you were, the former ways of your life and what you're supposed to be doing now. That's the Christian way. In fact, the leaders of Israel would always have the people erect a monument or an altar to worship before in the place where God did something miraculous and special for his people. They did it so that when they would walk by in the future and their children were with them and the children would go, hey, mom and dad, what's this pile of stones here? They have these piles and monuments all over the wilderness. And so when they're walking by that spot and the kids say, hey, what's this pile of stones? They could say, Let's just stop for a second and let's tell you about the wonderful things God did for us, his people. People are fickle. And fickleness makes forgetting so easy. It doesn't take long for fickle humans to forget their God. And Judges 2.10 in the Old Testament says that after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. And all that happened because the Israelites, Judges 2.12, abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. And as a result, they and their children and their children's children, the scripture tells us, did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed after false gods. How tragic to forget your past and forget who you're following. How tragic for parents to stop leading their children to righteousness and stop leading their children to the great things of God and teaching them the great things of God and leave them to the socialist, communist, globalists of the world who are under the control of Satan himself who just want to take our kids and reprogram them to be what they want them to be. We can see it in the dismantling of the nuclear family. They're coming after our families. Marxist socialism wants to raise your children because they think they can do a better job than you. But it's deeper than that, you guys. They'll tell you that we could be more responsible and take care of your children, but what they really want is they want to take them out of your hands completely and reprogram them. That's what they're all about. Why else? Oh, my word, did I just yell at you? Why else? Would they teach children stuff and tell them not to go home and tell their parents? Why else would they be upset when parents show up after finding out what they're teaching their children and complain about it and label them terrorists of some kind? Label them the enemy for being concerned about what their children are being taught. Why else if it's not to gather their minds and reprogram their little minds to believe and act the way they want them, to make little socialist, communist soldiers out of them? It's what's happening in our world, and parents, I'm telling you, you better wake up, and you better be alert, and you better be on top of what your children are being taught right now. Something's very wrong. You know, when your kid is sneaking around, you know they're doing something wrong. You don't have to ask, are you doing something wrong? 
No, you ask, why are you sneaking around? Tell me what you're doing. I can see you sneaking. But when the government's sneaking around, when the educators are sneaking around, nothing's good. Nothing good is going on. They think it is, but it's not. Get on top of it because they're coming after your family. They want to step in and take authority where they have none. The government has no authority in the church of Jesus Christ because Christ is the head, not somebody in government. The government has no authority in your home because the husband is the head of the home, not the government. God established three forms of authority. The home first, the church, and the government. And they have no business stepping in and trying to take authority in places that they have none. God didn't create a government. He didn't even create a nation of laws. He created a family unit, and he intended the family unit to be the glue that holds society together. He created the family and put the husband as the head to lead in selfless, are you hearing me? Guys, are you hearing me? You want to get a hold of society? Then try to isolate the dads and get the dads out of the way. God intended for the men in the home to marry a woman, have children, and lead the home, listen, in selfless love. We're not seeing that anymore. Men are supposed to lead their home in righteousness. And he told the families to be fruitful and multiply. Multiply what? Governments? No. Multiply more families. That's what the world is supposed to be made of. Socialists know that as long as the family remains strong, socialism can't exist. And we see the growing attempts for the government to lead our homes. I could go on. I could talk about cancel culture. I could talk about the redistribution of wealth. I could talk about, how about this, defunding the local police. There's a reason for that. It's so they can federalize everything. All of these things that we're talking about and that we're seeing are the socialist attempts to advance a deranged wish of a dead lunatic called Karl Marx. Wow. What in the world do we do now? I'm glad you asked. Buckle up. Here we go. You ready? Here we go. First thing is walk in truth and ignore the lies. That's the first thing we do. That's what people do. That's what God's people do. Walk in the truth and ignore the lies. Scripture affirms the dignity of work. It condemns laziness. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, if you don't work, you don't eat. It recognizes private property, land ownership. It promotes saving. It promotes investment. And it promotes thriftiness. Socialism contradicts clear biblical truth. But isn't that just like Satan and his ways? Some have asked, what about Acts chapter 2 in the early church? Weren't they socialists? Didn't they gather together and share everything they had? Absolutely, that's what they did. Didn't they sell their possessions and property and share the money with those who had need? Absolutely, that's what they did. 
So they were socialists and communists. Communists, absolutely not. They're called Christians. Hear the difference. These early Christians were examples of personal sharing, not public socialism. These were brothers and sisters in Christ surviving extreme poverty from persecution by sharing what they had, not the governmental seizure of what one person had, keeping some for itself and redistributing the rest. In fact, the scripture's clear about this group called the Macedonian Christians. This is all early church, you guys, when it first got started. Massive persecution was happening, and as a result, poverty was hitting everybody. And the poor Macedonian heard about the needs that were happening of the believers in Jerusalem who were undergoing extreme persecution. And out of their abundant joy and overflowing generosity, Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, 1, that they gave more than they could afford. They gave out of their poverty, and they did it of their own free will. They were begging us to do it. Paul's like, you guys can't afford this. You can't do this. We're not gonna take your money. We can't take your money. You guys are destitute. And they were begging us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the suffering believers in Jesus Christ. This is what God's people do. Not under compulsion. We give because we love the Lord and we give because we love each other. We wanna take care of the needs of each other. Hey, let me ask you something. Want to take care of the needs of the whole world? Thank you. (laughs) And make the whole world Christ followers. Make the whole world dedicated Christ followers. You'll fix the problems in the world. How will the whole world know that you are the disciples of Christ? The scripture says, It's because of your great love for each other. It's because you will be like those early Christians who will sell what you have and share with those in need and you'll take care of each other. That's how the whole world will know because of your great love for one another that you are the followers of Christ. They want some of that because out there is nothing but give me, give me, give me. You exist to give me what I want. That's not the way, in in Christianity, it's selfless love and selfless righteousness. I will give, I will go without, like the Macedonians, in order to help you in your time of need. That's Christianity, my friends, and God doesn't whip us into shape and say, I'm gonna take from you and give to you. He goes, no, I want you to love each other and freely give of yourselves to me and to each other. That's what we're doing here. I'm equipping you to love God and love people and then influence your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a social agenda that will work. Walk in the truth and ignore the lies. And then this, go all in for Christ. It is God, not the government, who orders our lives. John 15, 19 says, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so the world hates you. How does the world know who to hate? All they have to do is look around, and it's obvious, hate those who are all in for Jesus Christ. If you're not all in for Jesus Christ, how do they know anything? How do they know that you're not any different than they are? If you're gonna persevere in this disintegrating culture, you're gonna have to decide to stand for Christ and speak out for Christ. 
not just be an admirer of Christ. Kyle Eidelman in his book, Not a Fan, writes this, become a completely committed follower of Jesus, not just a fan. Soren Kierkegaard, when contrasting the admirer of Christ from the true follower of Christ, wrote this, the admirer never makes sacrifices. He always plays it safe. Though in words, phrases, and songs, he is inexhaustible about how he praises Christ, he renounces nothing, will not reconstruct his life, and will not let his life express what he supposedly admires. Not so for the follower, no, no. The follower aspires with all of his strength to be what he admires. We lift high the name of Jesus Christ every week here. The question is, are you living the admiration that you show of, of Jesus Christ in this room every Sunday morning? Are you living it every other minute of the rest of the week all the way out there until we come back here together next Sunday? That's what it means to go all in for Christ. How about it? I gotta say this, some of you need to rethink your involvement in life groups. Now more than ever, and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Listen to me. One person wrote this about small groups in churches. What the experience of the church under communism and a discerning read of the signs of Those things tell us that all Christians of every church should start forming these small groups, not simply to deepen its members' spiritual lives, but to train them in active resistance. There's gonna come a time in persecution where we may not be able to meet like this at all, and we will have to meet in small groups. Our life groups are, I'm so thankful God led us to these life groups. We're actually thinking about making them smaller. When we first started life groups, we had some life groups that had 35 people in them. But we had Sunday school classes before that that had like 150 people in them. So they seemed like very small groups. Then we thought, you know what, that's too big. And so we brought it down and now we, our, our, our ideal we think is 12 to 16 people in a life group. We still have some that have like 20 to 25 people in them. We're thinking about maxing them out at 12 people. Our life groups are designed to care for one another, to study and apply the scriptures, to cope with the world so that we can advance the gospel and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will need each other all the more as we see the day approaching. That's why the scripture says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's what the scripture says. And finally, I close with this, do whatever you can. <laughs> do whatever you can. What does that mean, Phil? I don't know. Do whatever you can do. If I'm not dead, God's not done. There is coming a time before the man of lawlessness can appear, that is the Antichrist, the restrainer has to be removed from the earth. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit. It is we, he is living in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So at the rapture of the church ushers in the rise of the Antichrist. He cannot come until the Holy Spirit is taken out of the earth. 
Here's what I want you to hear. As long as you're here and you have the Holy Spirit of God, you have a job to do. We are supposed to be salt and light in the earth. And God will give us platforms. God will give us places where we can stand up and speak the truth in the midst of lies. We can speak out against the forces of darkness that we're dealing with. And we can speak righteousness and truth and hope into a hopeless society and a hopeless culture. What is your platform? I wish I could celebrate all the different things that I am hearing. I don't have time for that, and it wouldn't even be appropriate necessarily. But I want you to know that there are people that are making some really hard decisions right now. People are saying, I can't take this. I cannot teach in this system anymore. I cannot work in this environment anymore. I cannot do that. I have to stand for righteousness, and I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to begin doing this, and I'm going to speak out for righteousness and speak out for the Lord. I don't know. You guys, before time began, God had a plan for you. Just give me a second. I walked off without this. I'm not coming back to the platform. Listen. God has a job for you to do, my friend. The question is, are you all in and willing to stand and do it? Don't, you know, don't answer that. I'm just asking you. You have a job to do. You have a job to do. The scriptures are clear before the foundations of the world, before time began, God saw you, was planning to call your name, save you, and then activate you to do a work for him. We have a lot of work to do. As wickedness increases on the earth, the people of God need to stand stronger for righteousness and go all in for God and do what God has called them to do. In your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family. Some of you are involved in local and national government. God has given you a platform and a sphere of influence and you can't, Sister, you can't sit there and say, oh, I'm just, I have nothing to do. Because you have a job. No one, no one is out of the plan. God knew this stuff was going to happen. He told us it was going to happen. And he has a plan for every single one of you in the fulfillment of his great plan on this earth. And as long as you're here and you're still breathing, you have a job to do. The question is, are you all in? Are you using it? Are you doing it? Can I, can I just, everything's messing up. I'm, I don't know what's happening. My, my whole iPad is freaking out. <laughs> it's the Lord. I don't know what to do. Got it. The Spirit helped me. I want to end with this. Oh, hang on. Hang on a second. You want to get involved right now? Now listen, 
hear me clearly, I do not believe that my job is to lead a revolt. It is not my job, the church is not an activist group. It is not my job to lead you in that. It is my job to equip you to love God, love people, and penetrate our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's not, it doesn't hurt every once in a while. If I throw something your way for you to get involved in, if you want to make your voice heard. Remember that whole thing in West Lafayette I was telling you about where there is the council is meeting? Their, their meeting is coming up February the 5th. And they're gonna be discussing this ordinance that they have that will make it illegal, punishable by fines, for you to counsel anyone according to the word of God as far as sexuality is concerned. So um, that's real, it's really happening, and there is a petition out there, and we have this link right here that you can actually, it's really simple, just take out your device, click on the QR code right there, just take a picture of that. It will take you to a petition that you can sign. This thing is going crazy, you guys. And the Church of Jesus Christ is gonna make a statement on February the 5th in West Lafayette. Not here in our town, not here in our state, not here in our nation. As long as the people of God are alive, as long as the people of God are rising up and doing what they're called to do, we're gonna try to hold back the evil that is going on in the world today. So let me close with this. Man, alive, I'm sorry. Please apologize to the children's people for me. So in Jerusalem, as the crowds ridiculed the early believers, this is way at the beginning of the church, Peter steps forward. Peter sees an opportunity, and he seizes the opportunity to speak out for Jesus Christ. And it says that he shouted this to the crowd. So I'm going to read it to you like Peter may have done it. Okay. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. And you all know it because you saw them. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Now, that was pretty bold. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not hold him in its grip. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted in the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And when he was speaking truth to those people, the scripture says that Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they responded with, brothers, what should we do? And Peter's reply was, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And the scripture says that so many believed and 3,000 people were added to the church and baptized that day because Peter saw an opportunity and stepped forward and used his platform to proclaim the gospel. 
Let me tell you something. God will use you as you stand. Stand with me right now. God will use you in powerful ways you haven't even dreamed, you haven't even imagined. In fact, in ways that you'll say, where did that come from? And things that you'll realize tomorrow that today you couldn't possibly believe that God would use you. He has a plan for you. Guaranteed, Peter didn't know this was coming. He didn't get up that morning and say, get a speech prepared, Peter, because you're gonna have to speak out in the square. No, at the time when it happened, God called and moved on Peter, and Peter spoke powerful words through the Holy Spirit that's inside of him. Do you believe you have the same Holy Spirit? Do you believe the Spirit can speak to you just through you just like he did through Peter? Why aren't you excited about that? Why aren't you positive about that? I said, do you believe you have the Holy Spirit? And you went, yes. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to you just like Peter? And it was like, yes. <laughs> I can't say anymore. <sighs> Except this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen my brothers and sisters here to stand for you, to stand for righteousness, to stand in the gap for their families, to stand in the gap for the nation. And give us all the boldness to walk out the assignments that you have given to us this week and in the days to come. And I pray for those who are hearing my voice right now, whether at home or here in the building that do not know you, that you would touch their hearts today and open their eyes and open their ears to salvation. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. God bless you. Run and get your children. And then drive careful on the way home. God bless you. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. Our prayer is that the worship and teaching will inspire you to love God, love others, and influence the world for Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, we'd love to know about it. You can click on the link for our online connection card. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app and you can see more opportunities and messages and even share this message with a friend. And go to our website, fbclcart.org, for even more opportunities. We hope to see you back here next Sunday morning at FBC Elkhart.